Well, I love to tell people what God's doing in Uganda. That's one of the great joys I get because it's just amazing. It's amazing to me that the all-powerful creator of the universe would find something for me to do as unworthy as I am. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler. Pleasure to have you stop by, friend. And I'm looking forward to visiting with a longtime friend of mine. Bob Reese is with Jesus Web International. It's a ministry that God laid on his heart. How many years now, Bob? Over 10. Over 10 at least. And it's about the time you and I first got together, wasn't it? Yes. Soon after that, you started taking these trips to Uganda. God had placed a burden on your heart to take the gospel of Christ to Africa, and you were a retired employee at Federal Express. You've also served in the military. We've talked in the past about those who retire ready to get an RV and travel the country. No, you're ready to take the gospel to the world. And that's what you and your wife have been doing now for these 10 years, building partnerships and relationships. Matter of fact, this is crazy. You just got back from Uganda, and I'm anxious to hear about this because our world is in a pandemic right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I think it caused a little bit of confusion in you trying to get back to the U.S. Yeah, it uh, took me three weeks to get back. Had to go through the, the U.S. Embassy. They set up the flight finally. The airport was closed. There are a lot of, lot of little challenges. In fact, the three extra weeks that I was there, we accomplished some great things. So uh, it wasn't wasted time by any means. Now, am I correct in that process you also were dealing with malaria? Well, um, I was taking anti-malaria drugs, but I took enough to cover the time I was supposed to be there. I ended up running out, didn't think anything of it, came back to the United States, and after being back about mm, 10 days, since I've had malaria before, I knew what it was, and went into the hospital and told them I had malaria, and they kind of looked at me like, how do you know, and where did you get it? So I explained to him, and sure enough, had malaria, spent four days in the hospital. That was part of that. That's just whatever happens, you know. I mean, the people I work with in Uganda, which don't take anti-malaria drugs, I would guess the average person comes down with malaria about once a month. In fact, a friend of mine His wife was about to deliver a baby, and she got malaria, and that created complications, and they lost the baby. So uh, the little challenges that I go through are nothing compared to the people who who live there. Well, as you talk about living there and some of those challenges— I would have to think that COVID pandemic that we're in right now has to multiply those challenges. Absolutely. One of the biggest things, and and most people I think in the United States can relate to this, they've gone through, and for all I know since I have left, are still going through a lockdown, which is probably the most effective tool they have to hinder the virus. These are people that Many of them earn the money that they will spend today to buy their family food. They will earn it today. 
a number of people that I know, for instance, they uh, were catering to the tourists selling souvenirs. Well, the tourists all left. Nobody wanted to be in Uganda during the virus. Uh, the tourists left. The people selling uh, souvenirs had no, nobody to sell them to. They lost their income, but yet they, most of them have three, four, five children, which don't understand if they don't get fed. Yes, their lives became much more complicated. How was the actual impact of COVID? We know that the U.S. has been greatly impacted. Many people have died as a result of it. Still many people hospitalized as a result of COVID-19. What about the impact of the coronavirus there, not just the economics and the way it's impacting their day-to-day lives, but physically? Are people dying with COVID there? Well, surprisingly, not very many. The number of cases are way down. I have to believe that God has his hand on Uganda in a way that most people can't understand. The reason I believe that's true is that many of these are new Christians. Uh, I mean, I tell people all the time, you know, the United States has been a Christian country for over 200 years. That means a couple things. It means we've had a very close relationship with Jesus Christ that has gotten stronger over that time. Unfortunately, I would certainly say in the past 50 years, that has reversed, and people in the United States, people who call themselves Christians, are drifting away. And you can see it a lot of ways. I just pick on Super Bowl Sunday. So many people, or a lot of people in any case, stay home from church on Super Bowl Sunday. The Super Bowl is more important than giving praise and and honor to the all-powerful creator of the universe. Now, you can make little of that, you can make a lot of that, I don't know, but I think it's definitely an indication there's been a change. Yeah, I would definitely say our priorities could be questioned as it comes to a result of commitment of total surrender to Jesus Christ by that and other things, too, that we see in our society. Uh, in Uganda, you like to go anywhere between four and six months at a time as God provides the resources. So when you left, you left prior to the pandemic. Is that right? I got to Uganda about two weeks ahead of them closing Uganda down. That's so so, perfect timing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was locked in, but I wanted to be there. I knew that was going to happen, so uh, praise God. It presented opportunities that I hadn't even begun to consider. Those opportunities confined within the property of God's garden, which for those viewers and listeners for the first time to hear about the ministry that God's called you to in Uganda, that is a, a piece of property you sense that God leading you to buy, this purchase and property. And through a partnership with Ugandan Nationals, Ministers of the Gospel, you have created this partnership 
to do ministry off of this property, which I guess a retreat place for pastors and missionaries. It also provides resources for the community, training, job skills, sewing. I believe sewing machines was one of the outreaches. Just want to give a little background before we move more into the conversation, but was the work that you went back to, was it primarily within the, the property of God's Garden? Primarily, but uh, it did overflow. Uh, let me start with the fact that um, the Ugandan people are much more committed as Christians than the average Christian in the United States. Uh, that's why I say I believe because of that commitment, the Lord had his hand on Uganda and has really blessed it and protected it. Uganda's got and I keep hearing different figures, but in excess of 30 million people, and they have probably less than a 1,000 respirators. They also have a large population of senior citizens, as well as a number of people that are... Uh, um, nutritionally lacking. To the point of starvation? No. Uh, Uganda has a great uh, uh, agriculture. Any place you drop a seed, it'll grow. It's funny, you'd be driving along a road. In this one area, there are tens of thousands of acres of sugarcane being grown commercially. Well, because of the machines they use and everything, the ground from about 10 feet all the way up to the road is left without sugarcane growing on it. But it will have maize, which is corn, in case you don't recognize maize. It'll have sorghum. It will have all kinds of various edible vegetables growing there that people have just planted. So it's like a farmer's market then. You've yeah. got all these vegetables. Yeah. And so you're really not lacking fresh produce. There is a source of getting nutrition. That's true. Uh, they don't eat a lot of meat because meat is expensive, but they uh, are not going to, for the most part, starve. Also, Uganda is on the shores of Lake Victoria, which is the second largest freshwater lake in the world. Fish at this time, it's being overfished, but fish at this time are readily available too. So we're talking about a protein source, the yes. vegetables. So it sounds like the diet might even be better than what we're <laughs> well, used to here. I am sure that when I'm in Uganda, I eat better than I do in the United States. You can get Kentucky Fried Chicken there, but I've never seen a McDonald's or uh, most fast food places. You know, our processed food diet in America, you know, we just eat so much of it. I spent a couple uh, weeks, 2018, in Israel, and of course, uh, similar fresh produce and everything was fresh. Your body gets used to that. You know, you come back here and you wonder why you're not functioning too well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let me tell you a couple of quick things that I had no idea we were going to do, which is kind of my trademark because uh, I preach, seek God, listen to him, be obedient. And I believe that with all my heart. If Christians would do that, 
I don't know that it would solve all of our problems, but it would certainly solve most of our problems. So we were more or less locked down when, when we got there. But we had people starting to show up at God's Garden, and they wanted, even though it was locked down, but if they were uh, lived in the little village next to us, and they knew that we were a Christian organization and everything, they would come over, they'd want to work. Can we stop just one second, Bob? When you say lockdown, do you mean to the point where there were police making sure that you stayed inside or were confined to the area you were supposed to be? Yes, now, not every hundred feet or anything, but I mean lockdown to the point that if it was after curfew or or you couldn't tell them why you were out roaming around, they would cane you. I've seen some videos. I don't know if it was specifically in Uganda, but some other third world countries where I saw police military beating the citizens for being out in the street without an excuse. And so you're saying that happened there in Uganda? That happens in Uganda. Uh, The police take seriously what the president of the country tells people to do. Uh, Yeah, that happens daily. So there's a a risk with trying to go out and find a job so you can feed your family. Yeah. You weren't at fear for anything no, like I, that. No, I could be wrong, but I think that uh, they probably wouldn't beat an obvious foreigner. At least that's what I operated on, <laughs> <laughs> and it never happened. But uh, we had a ministry vehicle, which was a truck, and we were allowed to go out and buy food or some various things. And we did that. And a couple of times we got stopped and questioned, uh, and they gave us a hard time, but I they think, let us go. I think I interrupted you when you had something you wanted to tell us, and I moved you into what the lockdown looked like. Yeah. We can go back. I didn't want to take you away from it too far. I just kind of wanted to understand a little more about what that lockdown meant. I want to get you back on track so you can – Tell me what you wanted to say. Okay, so um, people started showing up at God's Garden and asking for work. Well, I've got probably 10 people that are full-time at God's Garden. I didn't really need any workers, but it was obvious to me that this was a great opportunity to show the love of Jesus. So we hired typically three months of the four months— We hired five people in the morning and five people in the afternoon. Now, the shift, normally if you work in Uganda and you you work on a daily basis, it's 12 hours a day and it's 10,000 shillings a day. 10,000 shillings represents $2.50. It's roughly 4,000 shillings to a dollar. So we would hire people for a half a day, four hours, for 5,000 shillings, which was a dollar and a quarter. Now, this sometimes was very simple work, like picking up trash on the ground in God's garden, and sometimes it could have been digging a hole 10 foot deep, which you couldn't do in four hours anyway. But Why would you dig a hole 10 foot deep? Uh, you could be digging a latrine. Okay, yeah. So 
we would hire five people in the morning, and I told them the first five people that were there were the ones we were going to hire. So before I even woke up in the morning, uh, they'd be lining up outside, and, and I'd hire five people. Did that cause some friction among those who didn't get the job? No, no. It was understood. If you're there, you get the job. So there was no rioting then? No. And it got harder as time went on because I really didn't have jobs for him in the first place. We made up a lot of jobs. But $5, nope, $1.25, I've gotten away from it. I, I knew this perfectly when I was there. The $1.25, which represents possibly four hours of hard labor in the sun, you could buy like four little sausages, and we're not talking about four hot dogs. We're talking about four sausages about half the size of a hot dog, and you could buy four burrito shells. And if you were just buying vegetables or, or something like that, you could buy more of it. Sometimes children needed pencils and things, so they used it for whatever they needed, we always had 10 people a day show up wanting work. It chokes me up that these people, after working four hours, getting a whole dollar and a quarter, but it represented something to keep them going, that they thanked me and thanked me and thanked God so many times they would ask, can I come back tomorrow? i say, sure, you know, if you get here first, you get a job. Or a lot of times they'd say, well, can I work uh, a second shift this afternoon? And I said, well, if nobody else or if only four people show up, then I'll let you work a second shift. And I always made sure to point out that the only reason I was there was because of the love of Jesus that he had told me to come work there, to build God's garden, to minister to the people. I had no intention originally until he spoke to me of doing that. And we didn't preach to them much, but we made sure they knew that Jesus loved them. The fact that you got desperate people willing to do anything— and the fact that you provided a place to work, even though the resources were limited, you provided something. And as you say, it breaks your heart to think about, in such desperation, just how grateful these people were. In contrast, you know, we spend so much time complaining. Our rights, we've been taken advantage of. There's no humility. I'm not talking about the need for proper justice when mm. it's due. That's not what I'm referring to. It's so easy to complain, to grumble. Even as a Christian, we do that. Sure. You know? And so what a lesson. Yes. You know, I, I told people, I say this all the time as a matter of fact, but when I talk about when God called my wife and I to Uganda, I turned him down many, many times. I just didn't feel I could do it. I didn't feel I had anything to offer him. I didn't feel worthy. And you have plenty of excuses or reasons that some would say you're diabetic. Yeah. You have other health issues. Yes. That many at your age would say, I've lived hard. I've worked hard. It's time for me to relax. Uh, despite those physical ailments and sometimes limitations that come your way, 
the passion and the heart for Christ is greater because you sense a call. Amen. Amen. Um, and we all need a call in our life, Bob, don't we? Oh, uh, what I was about to say was just that, that the greatest blessing in my life, I spent 20 years in the Marine Corps. I liked the Marine Corps. I reasonably patriotic. I believe in this country. I love my wife and my kids. The greatest thing that has ever happened in my life is God called me to Uganda. I didn't want to go. I said, finally said yes, and it's a blessing. I can't explain to you what a blessing it is. He could change it, I mean, but I believe I'll go back uh, as long as I can. I'm not in a hurry to die, but I'd just as soon die there uh, on the mission field as here at the beach or something, you know, I mean. Right now, flights from the U.S. to Africa, to Uganda, the way you fly that route, are they open? Are they back in operation? You know, I'm not sure. I'm assuming that come January of next year, which is when I normally go, that they will be open. And uh, I'm doing fundraising and talking to people. I love to tell people what God's doing in Uganda. That's one of the great joys I get because it's just amazing. It's amazing to me that the all-powerful creator of the universe would find something for me to do as unworthy as I am. So I'm prepared. I'm prepared right now. In fact, I've already – my wife laughs at me. I'm already packing for January. Uh, what I do is I get a suitcase. I open it up. And if I'm working around the house or I'm going through the store or something and I see something that I need to take with me to Uganda, I buy it or pick it up or whatever, put it in the suitcase, and now I'm not going to forget it. So <laughs> I it, love that, Bob. <laughs> it, it takes me six months or more to pack, but uh, very seldom do I get to Uganda and say, oh, I meant to bring this, that, or whatever. You've so, got it already planned in, in the suitcase. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Well, as you talk about raising funds and resources to continue the work that God's called you to, uh, if someone listening, watching today to the program would like to participate, join you in this mission, uh, how can they learn more information? What can they do? I have actually three Facebook pages. Now, you know, I have a lot of people that say, Facebook is not a good thing. Uh, there's so much other things on it. Facebook for me is a great thing. It, I have six or 700 people that follow me on Facebook, and I can tell them exactly what's on my mind, and I can show them pictures and everything. Right. Now, the three pages I've got is the first one is just my name, Robert, middle initial M, Last name is Reese, R-I-E-S. The second one is Jesus Wept International, okay? And the third one is God's Garden, 
uh, and God's garden, as we said a little bit ago, is about four acres, and it's a prayer garden. The people of Uganda, and in fact, I have had uh, at least 10, 10 countries' representative come to God's garden and pray. I've had people pray from a couple of hours to two weeks. So God's garden is a garden of prayer. And you have and, a website associated with that, too. I mean, actually, a Facebook page yes, associated with that. Yes. So one of those three sites would get you more information, more details, so people could get in the vein of what's happening through your ministry yeah. and learn about opportunities to pray, to give, and even to go and serve and join you. That's exactly right. We'll have to see in January. It's very difficult to get people to go to Africa. Most people are called to Hawaii, right? Yeah, well... <laughs> Um, people have this image of Africa, uh, uh, of cannibals, and there still are, and uh, there are tribes that are unreached. In fact, I've spoke of this man before, Pastor Cuckoo, and Pastor Cuckoo grew up as a Muslim, converted to Christianity, and has a burning desire in his heart to take Jesus Christ to his tribe, which lives in the Nuba Mountains. Now, as far as I know, Pastor Cuckoo, who was in the Nuba Mountains when the lockdown hit, is still in the Nuba Mountains. Wow, that's between Darfur and southern Sudan, that mountain range there. Yeah which has been quite a conflicted area for a number of years now. It has been. Now, he told me when he left that he wanted to uh, set up a God's garden in the Nuba Mountains. Bob, we're going to have to have you come back and maybe bring Pastor Cuckoo with you to talk about this or learn more about these other amazing ministry opportunities, what God is up to in Uganda. Our time is gone, so we're going to have to say goodbye. Okay, well. I thank you so much. God bless you, my dear brother. It's always, always a pleasure to have you stop by. Next time, as you always do, call me up and let me know when you're in town. Okay, sounds good. Praise God. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Hey!